Good morning to everyone. Um, uh, consider it an honor to be here with you, and I hope that, as always, that our, our time here will will be beneficial, and I hope that we can learn something from from God's Word. Uh, we were talking in our Bible class about judging, and I happened to mention that uh, I've got a daughter at home that judges me on eating Reese's cups when she's runs all the time and exercises all the time. And somebody was saying to me afterwards that I ought to be exercising with her <laughs> instead of eating the Reese's cups. And uh, that is true. I did exercise. I ran with her some, and uh, we did run for Don a few times. And uh, I used to bicycle with Jonathan. Uh, years ago, I guess you could call it bicycling. Uh, I'd, I'd get on one and we'd, we'd ride for a while. But we met, we I remember we made the decision one day to ride from Double Springs Church of Christ to uh, Jackson County High School. And I thought, well, we can do that. Because all I'm thinking of, you go down 56 and got that long hill, and I thought, I can coast probably most of the way there. So we did, but I didn't think about the hill coming back. So, uh, but Gary was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, gracious enough to come pick us up and put his put our bicycles in the back of the truck and come back, I believe. But uh, uh, but I, I do appreciate that. And I do appreciate Gary because when we were talking about candy, he let me know who the candy lady was here, and I got me a piece of chocolate there, so I appreciated that. Um, my wife is the candy lady at church, but she won't let me have any of it. She said it's all for the kids, so I don't get any, any of that. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses, and then I want us to think about something for a moment. In verse 1 in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Therefore, if there is any comfort, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. Now notice here, uh, Paul mentions if four times. So it must be something that's important. Think of that little word, if. We, we know that you know when you say it, that means there's a decision to be made, or there's these doubt. Uh, that there's something to be done. Like we, we know phrases with it. Uh, if it ain't broke, what? Don't fix it. Uh, if, uh, if at first you don't succeed, then what? Try and try again. Uh, Dorothy said in the, the Wizard of Oz to uh, uh, the Scarecrows, she said, you know, the way you've been thinking, you could be another Lincoln if only you had a braid. So we know when we, we, we find these statements of ifs, and, and we find these statements of saying, okay, if something, if, if this is the case, then automatically something else is the case. So let's look at this in verse 1 first before we go to verse 2. First of all, he says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love. Consolation in Christ. He's saying if you have any encouragement, any consolation, any uh, uh, comfort that you find in Christ, as Christians, that's the way that we should be. We should find comfort. We should find comfort in His love. We should find comfort in His Word. Being a Christian, that means when we face trials, when we face troubles, when we go through things in this life, there's something that gets us through it. There's something that carries us through. As, as, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, He's talking about building that house. He says, when the rains come, when the floods come, when the wind blows, He says, not if they do, but when they do, you've got to be ready for it. If you've done this, when this happens, you'll be ready. If you've built that house the way that you should, if you have the right foundation, then when that rain comes, that wind comes, that flood comes, you'll be able to withstand it. But not unless you have done those things first. And that's what he's talking about here. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort in his love, do we find 
consolation? Do we find encouragement through Christ? When I, when I thought about this, I thought about Psalms. And I thought about what David said in Psalms 23. Now, we all know that probably by heart. But I think before we can understand Psalms 23, we've got to understand what he said in Psalms 22. If you go to Psalms 22 in verse 1, notice what he says. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my, uh, and from the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night sessions, and am not silent. So, how does David come from that point to wondering why God has forsaken him, why God doesn't hear his cries, to Psalms 23 when he says, "The Lord is my shepherd." Now notice, this is personal to him. David's going through all these trials. He's, he, he's had all these heartaches. He's had all these things that are, are coming on him, some by choices that he makes and some by things that are around him. But he's going through a lot of turmoil. And he wanted to know why God has forsaken him. He wanted to know why God didn't hear his cries. And he says here in Psalms 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I, notice, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So when David was going through all this trial, all this trouble, he realized he did have, as Paul says here, he did have consolation in Christ. He did have comfort in love. He knew where God was. He knew where, where God was in his life, even when David couldn't see it at times because of, of things that were going on in David's life. He couldn't, he couldn't understand why God wasn't there, but he was always there. He, was al he always knew what David was going through. He always knew what David faced. And David found consolation in that. He found encouragement in that. And that's why he was able to pen in Psalms 23 the words that he did, how the Lord was his shepherd his overseer, his, his protector, his, the one that looked after him, even when he was going through the things that he was going through. So did David take consolation? Did David have comfort and love? Yeah, just like Job did. When Job was faced with all the things that he faced with, if you go to chapter 23 of Job, when, when all the things that he faced, Job said, I go to the right, I look to the right, and you're not there. I look to the left, and you're not there. He said, I can't perceive you. Can you imagine going through something and not being able to perceive God in it? Just like David said, God, why have you forsaken me? God was always there. And Job had to realize it. And Job went on there in Job, 20, uh, Job 23, just like David did in Psalms 23. He went on and said, God knows my every move. He knows where I'm going. He said, I know that God knows where I'm at. He said, because I trust in his word like I trust in my very food. In other words, he said, I need God's word more than I even need food. That's how much I trust in it. That's the consolation that he finds in it. So Paul was asking Christians, if there is any consolation in Christ. So we need to ask ourselves, do we have any consolation in Christ? Do we understand the encouragement that he gives? And as he goes on and says, he says, is there any comfort in love? Do we understand the love 
that he shows for us. Paul did in Romans chapter 8. Of course, in verse 28, he says, All things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. He understood that things work out for good even though they're not good. And then he goes on and says, um, starting in, um, well, just verse 31, he says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? If uh, it is God who justifies, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. He says, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or pearl, or sword? He said, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who what? Who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what he's saying? All these things that we're faced, all these trials, all these troubles, that can't separate us from the love of God. So Paul is also asking here in Philippians, he said, if there's any consolation in Christ and any comfort in love. Does that love bring us comfort to know that God truly loved us, that he sent his son to die for us, and that Christ was willingly, uh, uh, willingly able to come and do that? And he goes on and says in the rest of this chapter, we're going to talk about in just a few moments, actually what that means of what he did for us. But he says as Christians, we've got to have consolation in Christ. We've got to have comfort in his love. We've got to have a, a spirit, that a fellowship of spirit. Do we have fellowship with spirit with each other and also the spirit that he gives us? You know, we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that comforter that's there, that doesn't work separate and apart from God's word, but through God's word, it comforts, it strengthens us, it helps us, it convicts us. He said, do we have any consolation in that? Do we have any comfort in that love? Do we have any fellowship in that spirit? Do we have any tenderness? Now notice, affection and mercy or tenderness as some, uh, some translation says. Do we realize what that mercy is? Do we realize what that tenderness should be? When I think about that uh, passage, I think about Galatians. And when you look in Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22, he said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. See, here he's saying the same thing. Basically, he's saying in Philippians. If, now notice, if you live in the Spirit, also walk in the Spirit. The Spirit of what? The Spirit of fellowship that we have with each other. That affection, that tenderness, that mercy that we should be sharing. That fruit of the Spirit. Because he lists a whole list of the works of the flesh. He says, here's how the world is walking. Here's the things that they're doing. And you can't inherit the kingdom of heaven by doing that. But here's what you can do. Here's how you can walk. You walk in the Spirit by producing that fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit of the Spirit is, as he says here, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. He says this is the way that you should be living. 
Because notice, now here's where it gets interesting, I think. He says, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. So he says, if, if these things apply to you, if you're doing these things, then this, everything he's about to say applies to you. But if they don't apply to you, nothing he's about to say applies to us either. So what we have to ask ourselves, does verse 1 apply to us? If I take consolation in Christ, if I have comfort in love, if I have fellowship of the Spirit, if I have uh, 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 tenderness and affection and mercy, if I have these four things, then notice, then he says, this is how you should live. This is how what applies to you. He says here in verse 2, he says, fulfill my joy. How do I do that? Well, if I have those things that he says in verse 1, he says, here's how you do that. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, being of one mind. He says, you need to think like Christ. As Paul said in Galatians, walk in the Spirit. That's what we need to do. If we're producing the spirit, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, I'm walking in the Spirit. And part of walking in the Spirit is being of one mind, in one accord, thinking together, not being divided, not devouring, or as we talked about in Bible class, uh, uh, self-righteously judging each other and, and, and showing how superior we are to each other. He said you need to be thinking about each other and considering each other and being of one mind, as he says in Ephesians uh, 4, that, that unity of the Spirit, endeavor for that unity of the Spirit. Unity is not something that happens accidentally. It's not something that just automatically happens and everybody just gets along. But he says it will happen if you have those things that are in verse 1. Again, if you take consolation in Christ, if you take comfort in His love, if you have fellowship in the Spirit, if you have these things, then you should be walking this way. You should have these things. What he's basically saying, you should be humble. We sing a song sometimes, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Do we humble ourselves? If I'm humble, I will be walking in um, being of the uh, same love, being of one accord, being of one mind. And notice what he says in verse 3. Let nothing, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each, uh, each esteem, other, esteem others better than himself. Do we collectively, as children of God, think of that other person? Think about uh, uh, wanting to do good for them. Thinking about the good that happens to them. And esteem each other better than we do ourselves. Now think, because we've got to have this consolation of Christ and this comfort of love. So in our minds we're thinking and realizing what God has done for us. The sacrifice that He made that he loved us, that, that he sent his son to die for us. And notice about his son dying. Let's go a little bit farther and talk about that. He says, uh, let each one of you, verse 4, look out not for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Now I like what the ESV and the ASV says here in verse 7. They said he emptied himself. So we need to think about what Christ done, the humbleness that he had, the servitude that he had. He emptied himself. Think of the glory and splendor of heaven that he was enjoyed and think about what God did, made himself and came down to this earth. 
John tells us that he, he, he walked among us. That word became flesh and we beheld his glory, verse 14 of John chapter 1. He emptied himself. Can you imagine what he gave up for us? Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. The mind that was in Christ was this is what I'm willing to give up. Serving you and humbling myself for you and doing all I can to help you. This is what it's going to cost me. It cost me the splendors of heaven to come to this earth to die for us. You know, when we think about the temptations of Jesus and we can go to Matthew chapter 4 where Satan tempted him. You know what I believe his greatest temptation was? I don't believe it was when Satan was tempting him there. I believe it was in the garden. When he, was, when he was talking to God and he said, Father, if there be any other way, let this, this cup pass from me. What was this cup that's going to pass? All the things that he was uh, having to deal with. The cup, we can look at it as even the cup of wrath. Uh, you say, well, how wrath? Would you be upset if they did to you what they did to Christ? But notice, having the ability, having the power to do something about it. I believe that first slap had been over for me. I don't believe I took it anymore. They wouldn't even got to the other part. That first slap would have been enough for me. But putting the thorns of uh, the crown of thorns on him, beating him, mocking him, spitting on his face, and him having the power to call down legions of angels to destroy the world. But the love and the compassion and the 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 self-control not to do it. That had to be a great temptation that he didn't give in to. But he did that. He did that for us. He did that so we wouldn't, uh, we could get out of the bondage of sin. So he tells us here in Philippians, he said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. This is how you treat one another. Now, this doesn't apply to us. This doesn't apply to us one bit if verse 1 doesn't apply to us. If I don't take any consolation in the fact of what Christ did for me, if it doesn't bring any comfort to me at all what he did, if I can't say what David said about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he, he maketh me to lie down. He, he leads me. He protects me. He guides me. If I can't think of it in that way, then I'm not going to be acting like I should. But here's the thing. Here's why he's telling them this. They're not. They're not acting like they should. So he's telling them, so these things don't, must not apply to you. You don't realize what you have done. You don't realize what Christ has done for you. You don't realize how blessed you are. The Bible says all spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus. The greatness of that, of what he did, him emptying himself, he says that means nothing to you because you're not walking in the way that you should. So that's where the ifs come in. The ifing. He, he's got four ifing. He's like Andy Griffin. Don't, Paul's saying, don't interrupt me in my ifings. If this happens to you, if, if you believe this, if you're living like this, then walk like that. Don't just say it. Do it. And as Christians, we get into this mindset of some time to where we don't look and treat each other the way that we should. You know, we, we don't have that bond together as we should. And he goes on here in... Um, uh, well, verse 8, he says, Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, 
and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He said, do you realize this is the whole purpose of him coming to this earth? It was so he could die. It's so he could rise again. It's so he could provide that way that we could have salvation. And he says, if you, if you realize that and you appreciate that and you're grateful for that, then live like it. Be a Christian. Be united. Be together. It doesn't just happen accidentally. Unity is hard. We're, we're different people. We come from different backgrounds. We're all trying to get along to accomplish the same goal. He says, don't devour each other while you're doing it. Be of one mind, of one accord. And that's not easy to do. It's not easy to do in our, our, our physical households, and it's not easy to do in the spiritual one either. But as he said in Matthew chapter 7, he says, you've got to build that house with the right foundation, and if you do, you'll be able to withstand those storms of life that come. Do you face something in life and you don't feel encouraged? You don't feel like there's any help? Paul said, then you're not doing what you should do because it's easy to get turned around. David got turned around. Job questioned a lot when, when he was going through the things that he went through. But they all come to the same conclusion. God's still in control, and I'm still going to serve him because he knows where I'm at. He knows what I'm going through. But think about that. Think about, first ask yourself the question, does these things apply to me? Do I truly realize what he, We're going to take the Lord's Supper here in just a little bit. What do we think about when we do that? What does that represent to us? What, what's our, our, our thought process? Do we really understand what his body went through? Do we really understand what his blood does for us? We don't if we're not living like we should. We don't understand it if we're not living in the ways in which Paul was telling us to hit. He says, fulfill my joy. How do we fulfill his joy? How, how can I do that as a child of God? Well, I fulfill his joy because he is seeing me. He's saying, now Ronald, I know you're going through the things that you're facing. I, I, I know you're having a hard time here. I, I know the world is, is being hard at times to you, but, but it's, it brings so much joy to me to know that you realize what I've done for you. What brings you the greatest joy in your life? I mean, think about it. Uh, different points of my life, I would answer that in different ways. But there's things that I see out of my children now that brings me great joy. When I see them do things based on the teaching that they got at home, based on the example that they got, and, and I see how they're living because of that, and it just fills me with joy. Not bragging that the fact that, that, oh, I think I did something special, but the fact that I realize that they appreciate the sacrifices that I did make for things that they were able to do and the teachings that they, that they have from me and my wife. And, and I think about how God looks at us, looks at his children. Do we fulfill his joy? By him looking down and saying, well, I'm awful proud of them. We'll look at what they're faced. You know, it's the same thing back to Job when and God told Satan, consider my servant Job. Pour it on him, whatever you need to do. But here's what you can't do. 
And then when Job was going through all of that, you know it hurt God to see him suffer. It hurt God to, to see him go through those things. But the joy it brought him when, when Job got through it. The best that Satan had to throw at him, Job got through it. He fulfilled his joy. The same thing that David did. And that's what he's wanting for us. He says, here's how you fulfill my joy is by living this way, being this way, being like-minded, having the same love, having the same compassion, being of one accord, being of one mindset. You know, we can all have disagreements along the way. As long as we understand and have one frame of mind, we're all going where we need to. And we're going the way that we need to. Now, along the way, we're going to have struggles. We're going to have, it's not easy when, when a group of people gets together. It's, not, it's on a difficult path, as Matthew 7 says. So it's not easy to do, but it is doable. So when I, I think about uh, Philippians, and I just thought about this when I, I came across this when I was studying and doing some cross-references on another sermon, and I actually thought about this just a, a few days ago when I got to thinking about Philippians, and I, as I went through there, and I tell you what really brought it up is, is Andy Griffith. I'm a big Andy Griffith fan. And I just happened to be watching the episode of the Ifin. And as I got through and read this, I thought, Paul's got a lot of ifs in here. And there's a reason. If, if, if this happens, this happens. If this happens, then this happens. If and then is a big thing. Because if I live this way, then this can happen. But if I don't live this way, then this isn't going to happen. And that's, that's what God said to us. That's, that's why we can take comfort in his love. He loved us enough to provide a way to say, if you follow this way, that's the predestination that the Bible talks about, that people get so confused in the religious world. He didn't predestine me. He predestined the plan. He said, if you follow this plan, if you do this, then this is what's going to happen. You can't help but end up where you need to if you follow the path. If you obey him, then this will happen. You know, if, if, you, uh, if you are baptized, then you have remission of sins. See, it all ties in together. You can't separate those. But one has to take place for the other one to take place. And if this one doesn't take place, the other one can't possibly do it. So he's saying here, you can't possibly be what you say that you are because the fruits that you're producing, the way that you're walking, means that you didn't do this. You don't take consolation in Christ. You don't take comfort in His love. You don't even have fellowship in the Spirit because you can't even get along with each other. You can't have fellowship in, in one Spirit if you don't get along. He says if you live that way, you need to show some affection. You need to show some mercy. You need to show these fruits of the Spirit so you're walking in them. You can be in one frame of mind, and then you'll achieve that ultimate goal, fulfilling His joy by being humble and being the servant that we should. Now, as simple as this lesson is, it does beg the question, are we doing that? Each one of us have to examine ourselves. I can look at you and, and I, I can look at the fruits that you're producing and I can say, you either are or you aren't by the things that you're... You can look at me and say the same thing. But one thing for sure, the righteous judge will judge us in the last day and he'll know exactly what we did. Because the Bible tells us we're going to give an account of the things that done in the body, both good and bad. See, we only think about the bad. We only think about, well, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. Well, that's great. Well, what about all the good that I should be doing? 
the oneness, the unity, the love, the compassion, the long-suffering, the, self, uh, the uh, 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 righteous judgment, not the self-righteous judgment, the helping that weak, weak person that needs help, the being the weak and receiving that help from the strong one. All these things that we have, that's what we should be doing. That's what being the Christian life is all about. So again, if we do those things, then this is what's going to happen. But each one of us have to give an account for those good things. Him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, the Bible says to him is the sin. Are we humble like Christ? Are we a servant like Christ? Or we, do we have one mind like Christ? If that answer is no, you have an opportunity to make that right today. If, that, if you're not living the way that you should, you've gone through things and you've not trusted in God to help you get through it. That doesn't mean because I make stupid decisions that God's automatically going to set me out here and put me over here. He didn't do that with David. David made some pretty stupid decisions. But God was always there and said, I'm here for you. I didn't leave you. You left me. All you have to do is come back. I'm still your protector. Won't you let me protect you? And you can say that to God today. You can come to him. You can come back to him. Or you can just come to him. Maybe you've lived out in the world and you realize it's, it's time to quit walking that way. It's time to quit walking in the flesh. It's time to quit doing the things of the world. And it's time to realize what Christ did for you. You need to come to Him by repenting of your sins, confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, being baptized for the remission of those sins, and living a faithful life to Him. Walking in the light as He is in the light. Walking in one frame of mind. Walking in, in fellowship with each other and with God. Producing those fruits of the Spirit. Maybe you've done that and you've strayed away and you've you faced things and you've just turned your back on God. He says, you can come back to Him. We'll pray for you. We'll help you. We'll do whatever we can. Or if you just need prayers of encouragement, we're here to help as together we stand and sing.